This weekend, I have a sense of the harvest coming in after a long season of tending and planning and waiting. After packing up all of our things and moving here to Fort Collins in June, after living in two different short-term rentals here in town over the past five months, this weekend, our family is finally moving into our new home here a place we plan to be for a long time. And like so many life transitions, this has me reminiscing about other moves I've made in my life. I've moved many times, but the move that I find that my unconscious is gravitating towards happened about 13 years ago when I packed up all my things into a Subaru Legacy station wagon to move from Chicago to Davis, California. I had just finished my second year of seminary and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Davis would be the site of a much anticipated year long internship for me. And this move was special because someone else's stuff was also in that station wagon. And that someone else was Jason Tenbrink, the person who is now my husband. Jason and I had met in seminary, our relationship had gotten serious, and instead of choosing to spend this internship year apart from each other, we decided to move to California together and share an apartment together for the first time. I was nervous about this big leap, and so I sought out the advice of our beloved seminary chaplain, Nan Hobart. And I knew that over the years, Nan had seen many relationships weather and not always survive the twists and the turns of the seminary journey. I knew that she would have some sage, indispensable advice that would put us on the fast track to relationship excellence. So what was Nan's advice? Be kind to each other. That was it. Be kind to each other. Honestly, I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> I thought I could have come up with that. But still, I did my best to hold this phrase close to my heart because I had so much respect for Nan and I knew that she must have said it for a reason. Be kind to each other. And so from then on, we always just chose kindness and we never experienced any conflict or difficulty. And that's the end of my sermon this morning. Okay, ha ha, not really. Being kind to each other sounds simple, but it is one of our greatest challenges as human beings. If it were not, the world's major religious traditions would not be so focused on the cultivation of kindness. In my relationships with the people that I care about the most, so setting aside for a moment everyone else in the world, with the people that I love the most, that I would give my life for, I continue to be astonished by the never-ending opportunities to be selfish, petty, judgmental, blaming, score-keeping, basically, to be unkind. And I'm a person with a good heart. I'm empathic. I care 
deeply. But especially in times of stress, we all know it can be hard to access kindness. And especially now, we're nine months into this pandemic, we're headed into winter with COVID cases skyrocketing when so much is unstable and alarming. Our finances, our health, our future, our democracy, and whatever our living situation is, it's probably especially intense in its own way. Living with other people and all their habits, it's intense. The sound of them chewing their food, their messes, which are definitely more offensive than our messes. Sometimes it feels impossible to find space to just be alone for a second. And other times, the loneliness of feeling alone when someone else is actually around is more painful than the solitude. And solitude is no easy route in this pandemic. For many of us, living alone can be crushing in its emptiness. There is a reason that solitary confinement is considered torture. There are those of us living with additional layers of difficulty those of us watching the bills pile up with no idea how they'll get paid, those of us living with someone abusive, those of us living with an addiction that sucks all the air out of the room with its demands, those of us living with our own mental illness reality or living with someone else's mental illness reality, those of us experiencing the relentlessness and the isolation of caregiving in these times. We are living in very stressful times. And we know that when we are under-resourced, it is hard to feel generous. It is hard to practice kindness. And it is hard to receive from others. And so here we are in stressful times on the cusp of the weirdest Thanksgiving ever. And it's very tempting to tell a story of helplessness. It's very tempting to tell a story that says that our small caring gestures are simply no match for the tidal wave of constraints and divisions that are just tossing our lives asunder right now. But this is not true. We are not helpless. And the small gestures of goodwill do matter. The big ones matter too. The deeper truth is that we are all deeply, mysteriously connected. We're all creating this life together. And that which is life-giving and life-saving can be found in the particular, in these small moments. And that it's through these small moments of connection and generosity that we join ourselves with the greater movement of love in the world. We join in this conspiracy of kindness that is always moving underground. And there's a strain of kindness that I think is particularly well-suited to our moment. It is an ancient practice. It leaps across great distance. It transmits a sense of warmth and protection. It's the strain of kindness known as blessing. And it's something any human can offer another human whether you're an atheist or a theist, 
whether you are super articulate or you feel kind of clumsy with words, as long as you have a heart that can witness another person's need, and as long as you are willing to risk hoping for and naming something better for someone, you can give and receive blessing. It's a very simple, powerful ritual that humans have wielded for a very long time for very good reasons. A blessing is a gift of attention that shines light on our interconnection with all things. A blessing acknowledges what is happening to someone and it imagines and articulates the fulfillment of longing. This gift of attention generates hope and connection. So the other day I was having one of these down days. I felt fatigued after the aftermath of the adrenalized crises of the wildfire and of our election. Through our childcare, we'd spent lots of time with someone who we later learned had been exposed to COVID. So we were all quarantined together in our house. And just so you know, we're all fine. The house felt loud. It felt crowded, messy, boring. I kept wondering if the tickle in my throat meant that we were all doomed. And my beloved stir-crazy children had issued so many bids for my attention, so many requests, so many inquiries that my brain was hardly working. It was a low day. I knew I needed to reach out to a friend. And so in true minister nerd fashion, I texted a fellow clergy friend with a request that I had never really thought to put out there before. I typed, I'm struggling today. Would you send me a blessing? And what I received took me by surprise. My friend sent a blessing for self-compassion which was brilliant because when we're in this place of feeling disconnected and despairing, offering kindness and compassion to ourselves, it's not only something we deserve and that we're worthy of no matter what, but our capacity to offer kindness to other people is in direct relationship to our capacity to offer kindness to ourselves. And I'm just curious, I wonder how you're all feeling right now with this self-compassion piece. Maybe it feels like a comfortable suggestion. It makes a lot of sense. Maybe you would really rather skip the self-compassion piece or it feels uncomfortably awkward or there's a part of you that feels like it's self-indulgent. But deep down, perhaps you know that it's good medicine. Or maybe you're still just, you're just starting to get your head around this whole concept. Wherever you are, I want to invite you into an experiment this morning just to see what happens. This self-compassion experiment is a meditation adapted by the, from the work of Dr. Kristen Neff, who is a, a scholar and a researcher on the topic of self-compassion. And I offer this in the hope that it can help us remember that when we're feeling stuck, when we're feeling brittle, when we can only see the world through the le a lens of scarcity. In other words, when we're most in need of a blessing, that we have the capacity to offer blessing to ourselves. <laughs> 